Hey there, this is Casey, Kentucky Trauma Therapist. We are back with Miss Alexis Morgan. She is a health education coordinator for our 10 county area. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, here in the, the western central side of the state of Kentucky, um, she's got her bachelor's and master's degree in public health. And she is here today to educate us some more information about Narcan. Um, and what do you know, what are the warning signs? Like, what do we need to look out for to see if we need to administer Narcan? How do you apply it? Um, you know, maybe some myths around Narcan and all of that. But uh, Alexis, take us away. Cool. Um, so Narcan is something that is... Um, widely you hear them about more often um opiate overdose is what you use it's an narcan is an opiate reversal agent opioid reversal agent so what the narcan is doing when you're using it is it is reversing the effects of an opiate so when people are overdosing you're looking for your pinpoint pupils like clammy skin um Maybe like graying or purplish lips, fingertips, um, nose, uh, being unresponsive. Those are your warning signs um, of maybe when you would need to use it. Um, we at we give away the nasal spray. Um, they do have an injectable one, but the nasal spray is what we have. Um, it comes in a box. There's two doses in each box, and a lot of times now with the fentanyl epidemic, we're seeing having to use multiple doses. Um, yeah. And sometimes if somebody has one box of Narcan, that one box is not enough to successfully reverse it. So whenever you're using it, the best way to use it is to spray in nostril. You insert in the nostril. You do not prime it like a nor normal like Flonase or anything. Um, you insert in the nose and spray and then you wait for two to three minutes in that situation. I don't know how you could do that. <laughs> I'm going to be like, okay, it's been 30 seconds, a minute. We're good. You know, like how are you supposed to wait in like a, uh, adrenaline pumping situation like that? So it's fine to use it. Um, and if somebody's not overdosing, it's okay to use it too. If you think they are and you know, you don't know, use it. Um, if it's not going to hurt anybody, um, pregnant women, animals, infants, children, elderly people, it does not hurt you if you get it administered to you and you don't need it. So if someone maybe passed out because they have a huge fear of spiders and yes. they saw a spider and they fainted and yeah. you're like, Oh gosh, maybe they overdosed and I'm going to administer some Narcan. It won't yeah. hurt them. It won't do anything to them. That's some really good information to know. Yeah. Um, and I guess like when you, you were talking about the injectable, my head goes back to Pulp Fiction. Ah, you know, uh, what, what was her name? Um, Uma Thurman's character. Yes. Uh, she thinks it's Coke. It's actually what she snorted heroin, right? Yeah. And he rushes her um, to that one guy's house, and they like, but that wasn't that wasn't Narcan. What was that? They I think they pumped a 
adrenaline into her heart. Yeah, I don't know. Probably so, like yeah. um, epinephrine or something. Ah, okay. Yeah. And then she <gasps> she yeah. comes back to life. But what you're telling me is it's not that dramatic. It's um, two to three minute wait. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now, sometimes they do the like if you spray it, they sometimes can do the and. A lot of times that's what's helping that drug get further in their yeah. stream and system to where it's taking effect. Now, with fentanyl, and you're having to use multiple doses sometimes and having to wait, that's a nerve-wracking situation. Do I have enough Narcan? And then what if somebody comes out of it and a few minutes later I go back into it? That can happen, too. If there's enough fentanyl in their system yeah. they can fully come out of it and then go right back into it which so. if you listen to the last episode alexis explained um we're seeing more and more pressed pills and more and more even meth now uh, other drugs being laced with things such as fentanyl mm-hmm. we're even seeing some like the thc cartridges that have been laced with fentanyl um we've seen what? like People that have, like, sprinkled fentanyl granules on, like, what you would think would be a marijuana cigarette is not a marijuana cigarette. And that is, like, you know, what you'd think is harmless. Yeah. So you really, I mean, everybody has to watch out. So, and let me ask this. This might sound like a silly question. And maybe it's an obvious answer. Maybe it's not. I don't know. Um, but that's what you're here for. No you're stupid the, questions. You're the health education coordinator, yeah. so we're asking for, for some education, right? Yeah. Um, why are people, you know, I'm assuming fentanyl, like we discussed in the last episode, it's not that easy to get a hold of. Right. So why are people putting it on everything? Okay, that's a great, great question. So we have this opiate epidemic in Kentucky. Um we have all these opiates flying off the shelves from pharmacies legally being prescribed from doctors. And whenever, you know, we talked about Casper, um, the system that is electronic that keeps track of um, reporting medicines, a lot of people would doctor hop and they would go Mm. to different pain clinics. Yep. And get multiple prescriptions, and whether people are selling it or whatever, or they're taking it themselves, you still have the actual drug that you know is coming from the pharmacy. So it's legit. Yeah. But whenever all these people are getting caught now with Casper, and all these doctors are afraid to prescribe, maybe they're cutting off the people that aren't as... I mean, what their medical chart says, they don't really need this medicine. And I, and that's fine, but if you're not doing it the right way and tapering people off of it and you're just cutting them off, then they have an opiate addiction, whether it's prescribed or not. And whether you take it the right way every four hours, whatever, your body still is going to become addicted to it and dependent on it at some point. Right, right. So, whenever we just cold turkey that, you're like, shit, what do I do? Oh, here we've got some heroin. It's way cheaper than my pills, and I can get, you know, where I was spending 50 bucks in pills a day to get 
not sick. And what people don't realize is a lot of people that are using are just functioning addicts. They're not using to get high. They're using to not be sick anymore. Because every day they wake up, they're in withdrawal after their medicine is worn off. Yeah. What's an, that, I mean, that's exhausting. But now you can get high for 10 bucks versus 50 by using heroin. And it's essentially-ish the same thing because it's an opiate. But then we get fentanyl sprinkled in and... And they're sprinkling in the fentanyl because is that like... My, my brain wants to say... Well, because that's the dope dealer's dream is to have returning customers. Right. Is that it or is it more to that? I think that's it, but also money. You can you can mix less fentanyl and get oh. more product. The more fillers and shit you put in it, you, like you have this, uh, like a tiny amount of fentanyl, but then you put, a, you know, 500 pounds of baking soda in it, then you've got some fentanyl. With a bunch of cheap product. product. Yeah. It's about money. And dilution. And don't care about lives. And that's where we're seeing a lot of manslaughter charges. People that are selling fentanyl to people. Wow. They supplied the drug that caused them to die. And even though they didn't inject it themselves... They're still getting manslaughter charges. I actually had that happen to a friend of mine and my brother. She passed away in 2018. She got sold. Um, I guess she was using heroin. I don't, I mean, that was several years ago where fentanyl wasn't even really a huge thing. It was just heroin. And <laughs> that's crazy to it was say it was like, just heroin. Like, I I'm know. sorry. I, I, it's, like, it's crazy though. Like, it's so different than what it used to be a few years ago. Yeah. And, the guy that sold it to her was, like, a young kid that had never sold opiates before. He's like, a, like, low-time pot dealer and just happened to have it. And they arrested him and charged him for man- for manslaughter. I think, um... I w- trying to go after murder, but I don't think that sticks. I am so sorry for your and your brother's loss. Yeah. It was really hard, but that really helped me to dive into... Maybe my want to understand this line of work just increased. Yeah. I mean, I have a, a, you know, a family history of growing up with alcoholism. Um, I've had friends, relationships where people are struggling with addiction. So, you know, it's totally different when it's what you've gone through and when you can understand it. And that's a huge piece in the recovery community is a lot of people get it and have been there and can turn, whether they've been there themselves or whether they've loved somebody, they've been in it in some way that they can help contribute to the yeah. to the cause of helping. Yeah. And I, I think of you and I know a person in common. I know we've talked about that mm-hmm. recently who yeah. passed away. Um, a man that I graduated my master's of social work program with, um, that I think, you know, we we both knew him. He, he was pretty influential in the community, especially mm-hmm. the recovery community. Yeah. And his original drug of choice um, was methamphetamine. And, um, you know, it's awful. Uh, him passing away. Uh, 
not from a methamphetamine overdose, but uh, due to becoming heavily influenced by opiates. Uh, and that being, I hate the term drug of choice. I hate saying someone's DOC is that, you know what I'm yeah. saying? Because it's like, I don't think they choose. And most people don't. They just use what they can to not be sick. Whether that's mentally or physically right. or, yeah. <laughs> or whatever. Like, yeah. And I, I tried to explain that to someone one time. Like, when people are like, well, they're choosing. Well, actually, maybe them getting high tonight is what's keeping them from offing themselves. Yeah. Uh, you know? Because and it's keeping them from not being functional to take care of sure. their kids. Ugh. You know, and that's a whole nother ballpark, <laughs> you know, a whole nother can of worms, but uh, so, the reality of the situation. Yeah. 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 Nah. Um, so as we were, you were telling me about Narcan, so, so y'all offer the nasal sprays and there yes. is the injectable. So you're telling me you administer it, mm-hmm. you wait two to three minutes, yep. you're, you're hoping to hear a... <gasps> Yes. Kind of deep inhalation. Yeah, um, typically the deep inhalation happens. Um, doesn't always, but if they're, that typically is what gets it in. Now, if you have to use another dose, use the other nostril for the other dose. Like kind of go back and forth. Okay. Um, and it's going to be hard to wait those two to three minutes, but it's important to look for signs of breathing um, your color turning, coming back. Um, and if, I mean, obviously you want to call 911. <sighs> Here's another thing. My recommendation, if you have to call 911, is not to tell somebody that they're overdosing. Don't tell them, which is awful. Say they're unresponsive. I don't know what's happening because generally, Especially in big cities where they're having to respond to overdoses all the time. They take their time. That actually happened here in town where we had to respond to an overdose at work. And the fire truck and ambulance passed us while we were standing, waving. Here we are. Help us. So there's some prejudices. Yes, for sure. In certain systems. Yes. Um, which that in itself is also a whole other topic. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah. Uh, and it's, you know, take it with a grain of salt maybe, but that's just the reality of overdoses, opiates, um, you know, and it's legal to go into Walgreens, CVS, Walmart, whatever, pharmacy to buy syringes. Yeah. You can get them a TSC. Yeah. We, we have some at the house where we give the goats. Um, their vaccines. Their, their vaccines. Yeah. yeah. And, but the thing is, is like, it's on a case-by-case basis and that pharmacist or pharmacy worker is able to um, judge you by mm. looking at you mm. because they can. Even even though it's legal, it can be by case by case basis. You mean that they deny the sale of clean needles Correct. or okay. yes. Okay. Um, you can buy them on Amazon for your pets, insulin needles. But why would you do that if you can come into the needle exchange? syringe exchange okay and 
trade them. Tell me more about the needle exchange program. So we have needle exchange in Warren, Barron, Hart counties. Um, we operate currently from eight to four on Thursdays. Um, the health department is changing hours at the beginning of July, so it'll be eight to three. Um, but we will be operating syringe exchanges. It is a anonymous free program. Um, we have it, it it is anonymous we have it where it is an anonymous program you do not show us your id you don't have to provide any kind of identification of who you are and that is powerful because what people don't realize that protects them from a police officer coming in and saying hey um do you know who this person is I'm sorry, we have an anonymous program, and I don't know who any of our participants are. <laughs> it's happened. I, and I was the I, one yeah. to tell them. <laughs> it was great. So you're just a superhero, but... Um, yeah. Well, and I, I yeah, said that not, not that you're trying to prevent police from doing their jobs, right? But, but it's not my job to do your job for you, and if you're looking for somebody, I cannot confirm or deny. Thankfully, we have HIPAA. Right, and I guess... But... We take it a step further with the anonymous program. So the anonymity of it kind of takes it a step further. So I'm going to say, I'm, I'm going to, because I can, I can, I think we've all seen, if you've been on social media in the past, like, seven years, we've all seen that post where it's like, um, if drug addicts can get Narcan for free, why, why can't, can't diabetics get insulin? <laughs> So I, and I mean, I'm not judging, sure. but that is such an asinine argument. Yeah, it's like denying a ca- a cancer patient their fucking medicine. Like, but the thing is, is the problem is not that it is the insurance companies that set the prices on these medications. Right, like it's two totally different. It's to- it's a totally different yeah. argument here. Like. Yeah. Why should this cancer patient get free treatment from St. Jude's Hospital when my great-grandmother, O.C., passed away from hip dysplasia? I I, I just say hip dysplasia. I think that's a German Shepherd dog breed issue. I'm so sorry. So sorry, great-grandmother, O.C., wherever you are in the spirit world. I'm Um, sorry. Severe diabetes where she's, you know. Yeah, sure. Uh not having like she's got gout have losing limbs because there's no circulation like right like, like why it's... why can she get she can't get her insulin or her medicine that she needs or even transportation to go to the doctor sure but people are getting free needles and narcan yeah i think people <sighs> kind of see that especially if they haven't been if you've never yes. had an addiction if you've never had a compulsive behavior that yeah. you felt like you couldn't stop, right. if you've never had any of those issues, you're not I'm, ever going to get it. You're, it's kind of confusing. Yeah. yeah. Why? Why? But, but the cool thing is, is you work, your department also uses research and numbers on why this works and why this is effective. Yes. And I, I'll say right now, if you're a person who's like, I don't understand, first off, pause this. Uh, and go Google the, the Rat Park argument, TED Talk, um, and that explains, that should be a whole episode on its own to talk about Rat Park. Yeah, but <laughs> it should be. <laughs> and that'll kind of help explain too, because 
when you, so, so thinking of, let's tie in mental health for a second, like a good old cognitive behavioral therapy cycle here. If the trigger is um, childhood abuse, okay? Trigger, childhood abuse, chronic childhood abuse, and that's now led to some firm beliefs about yourself that you're a shitty person and you deserve bad things that happen to you and you don't deserve anything good, okay? And you have a, let's say you're walking around today and the trigger being, oh, I I need to get some new clean needles because I think I shared a needle with somebody last night who has hepatitis or who has HIV, etc. I, I want to go get a clean needle and I go in to get one and I feel like I'm being judged for asking for that. Or I, I need to go in and get some Narcan because I know some of the people I use with, they don't seem very safe. I don't know if my supplier is good. I want to get some free Narcan. And if I feel like I'm being judged, that could lead to a feeling of shame. Right. Which leads to a behavior of I might not come back and ask for Narcan. Yeah. And the person that's asking for Narcan has an opportunity to become a clean person one day if they stay alive. Right. Which is the purpose of Narcan, which is the purpose exactly. of the free needle program. So, yes. and I think of looking at people in phases of their life, you know, who they are in this exact moment isn't necessarily, having addiction doesn't make you a bad person. It doesn't mean you lack willpower. It might actually mean you've been through some horrendous shit and this is the only way you have learned how to survive. Yeah. But. It's a coping mechanism. Essentially, it's an unhealthy coping mechanism yeah. that helped you survive a certain part of your life or maybe still do yeah. survive a certain part of your life that prevents you from maybe passing away from suicide or or harming yourself or harming someone else in, in even more dire ways. Um, so people, I'm, I'm going to guess, are going to be like, well, why is my tax money going to pay for needle exchange? Why is my tax money going to pay for free Narcan? And I, I'm very curious, Alexis, uh, I bet your department has some research on why those things might be exist yeah. yeah so um the exchange doesn't just provide clean syringes they we also have supplies um we have heard so many people and when i say supplies i'm thinking like alcohol swabs band-aids um bleach wipes vasotracin um antibiotic ointment um basic necessities one big thing that we also offer is clean water, clean injection water, sterile water. Yeah. Because some people are homeless. Sure. So they're getting their water from toilets, pond water. They're oh using God. alcohol, juice, soda to break down their drugs and inject it. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, we also have some wound care stuff, some personal hygiene items, pads, tampons, um, deodorant, sunscreen, um, and then we've got, if you need access to resources, we can help connect you. So, if we don't so, offer it, we'll help you get there. So, if I'm hearing you correctly, it's kind of like a, a little bit of a buy-in program of, hey, we would love to give you some... To exchange, you know, get you some needles that are clean, uh, which I'm assuming also helps reduce risk of HIV, Hep C, absolutely, uh, other blood-borne pathogens, um, which helps keep our community safer. Or giving them, hey, we'd love to give you free Narcan. Not so like, hey, you can go overdose tonight for funsies and be resuscitated back to life. But right. it's also along with me giving you something to keep you alive for today. I want to talk to you about some some programs we have in place. That might keep you alive for next year, too. Yeah, exactly. And 
you know, it, it really is, you know, I don't know. It's, it's so deep. It's so like the people that come in, they're not worried often about having to, I mean, some people are going to work every day and their parents and that's their normal life to not be sick. But some people are homeless and that's all they know. So you brought up a really good point about Narcan. And if people are just using it, they're using enough drugs to overdose on purpose. Just just because they want to overdose and get high. And that's not really the case. Now some people, that may be the case. And it could be a suicide attempt. But generally, people think that they are doing the amount that they know what they can do. They're not trying to overdose. They're just trying to sure. be high. Uh, John, or be under the influence. John Belushi? Am I saying his name right? John Belushi? Uh, got out of rehab. He's famous. He was one of the Blues Brothers. Am I making this up? Hold on. He was in rehab. He was getting sober. And then I think he was out for like a day or two. And went back, and this is a common mistake people have yes. when they get out of rehab. Yes. Um, yes. Let's say, and I'm just going to make up numbers that don't make any sense, but like, let's say someone was using 100 milligrams of blank drug and that was their normal day of high before they went into right. a sobriety program or whatever. And then let's say they go into a rehab for two weeks or four weeks or 30 days um, or 28 day program. They think they can use that same amount. Yeah, they get out and they're like, oh, well, it takes 100 milligrams of blank drug to get me high. But the issue is their tolerance has now went plummeted. Yes. yes. And they go back and that's how John Belushi yes. passed away. That is, that's actually what I did my capstone on um, was whenever you get released from jail or recovery, then that's the most common time people overdose because you th- they think you can do the same amount that you could before and you don't. Think about the tolerance change. Yeah. Yeah. So. Very common. People aren't asking. So people don't come to you and say, hey, I want to go get way high today and experience this really fun high. Um, can I please have some free Narcan so when I get too high, I can quit being hot? They don't, they don't do that? No. Wow. That's fascinating. In the last, um, let's see. Seven years that I've been working in exchange. That's not happened once. I've heard, um, yeah, I used to work at a substance abuse center down in Nashville, and they would tell us people aren't real fucking happy after you administer Narcan. Oh, that's a great point. <laughs> that's a great point. So, whenever you are administering Narcan, you are essentially taking their high away. Because it is reversing the effects of their drug. And now they are sick again. Which is why they used to begin with. So they wouldn't be sick. Yeah. But you save their life. But a lot of times people that get Narcan are very combative. Um, you know, you fucked up my high. How, how could you do that? You know, but you saved my life. They don't really, that's, it's not the weight of that at the moment. Not in the moment. Right. Which if I'm in intense pain, guess what? I'm not. Yeah. Roses and sunshine and rainbows either. Yeah. But um, I think you, can you, I know we talked about this earlier. Tell me about these yeah. statistics your program has been able to come up with, with the harm reduction program. So a huge myth is that we 
we just exchange needles and that's not what we do. So, um, with exchange, we are also providing uh, referrals to treatment, counseling, other resources in the community, testing. We offer safe sex supplies. Um, so really we're doing a whole lot more than just exchanging needles. And that really is kind of a pet peeve that is just exchanging needles. But I mean, here in even Warren County, we have, and these numbers are from January. We update. Of 2023? Yes. Okay. So we update quarterly. Um, we're at 417,000 needles that we have taken off the streets, whether it be here or surrounding counties. People come to our facility to drop them. And that's how many needles that have been off of the streets that Ten we counties. have safely disposed of. Nearly half a million needles. Yes. In this 10-county area. In how many years? Um, seven. In August, it'll be seven years. Wow. And wow. we have had so many people say that they notice the parks are cleaner, the sidewalks are cleaner. Right. They're not seeing pen caps. They're not seeing syringes. You Which know. could hurt a kid. Right. So or anyone, not just the children. Exactly. Yeah. Well... We did a campaign a few years ago that we were trying to explain that harm reduction is not just for people that are using drugs. It's for everybody because it, it not only takes off the needles from the street, but you think about what about the trash man that's putting his hand in your trash and Mm. he accidentally gets stuck. Or a kid that's going down a slide and they accidentally step on it. Imagine, which we have medicine for post-exposure for HIV, but not for hep C. It is treatable, but you're still at risk for those things. So, yeah. trash men, um, EMS workers, yeah. um, you and me that are just putting our hand in a, you know, throwing our trash away at, at the park. I used to do in-home services. And yeah. I remember. I did too. Like, I, girl told me like, hey, be careful when you sit on my couch because I don't know, like someone's been over here recently and I didn't understand what she meant until later. I was like, she was trying to tell me not to sit on her couch because she was afraid who had spent the night there before I might have had a dirty needle. Right. Um. Yeah. Yeah. So... Y'all have nearly collected half a million. Yes. Wow. And that's just here in Warren County. And the ten, or the surrounding. So that's Allen County. That's just well, anybody can come. Yeah. Um, we've collected fifteen thousand in Barron County. Wow. So those are our numbers right now of how many we've collected. So, I mean, close to half a million needles, probably over half a million needles at this point. Sure. And instead of them being on the street, they're safely disposed of it and being incinerated. Wow. Okay. That's huge. Yes. Yeah. And y'all also give out free Narcan. We do. Now, Narcan just went over the counter. What? You don't have to have a prescription. However, it's $30 to $40. And somebody that needs Narcan that doesn't have any money still can't get access to it. So... 
if you need Narcan, all of the surrounding eight counties have Narcan. You can walk in and get it. Um, they don't ask questions. You can get it for anybody. It doesn't have to be for you. It doesn't have to be, you know, it doesn't matter. If you need it, come get it. Um, and overall, Narcan saves lives. Like, why would we not want to save somebody's life and give them another chance? It's not our judgment to decide whether they should live or not. Right. And I think people, like we said, people might want to say, well, why would my money go towards that? And are we just enabling them and right. stuff like that? And it's it's kind of one of those things. Um, it reminds me of back when the pandemic first hit and Governor Andy, mm-hmm. um, you know, Governor Andy said, uh, yeah, liquor stores are going to stay open. I know people freaked out about that, but it's like, do it's you- the safest thing that, that, that they could have done because our hospitals are maxed out. We can't have people that are going through withdrawals taking up those beds. Correct. So um, maybe we're giving this person Narcan today and if they survive this overdose, maybe tomorrow they're going to have an opportunity to find out about some resources yeah. or to get some help that they need. Or, or something. Yes. Something. And, and one cool, actually two cool statistics. If you come into an exchange program, you are five times likely to go to a recovery center, rehab, get clean. Five times more likely. Whatever that looks like. So that goes back to what we were talking about earlier. That CBT cycle, if yes. I, let's say I'm Mary and Mary has a history of child abuse and then uh, I already feel like shit about myself and I need to pick up Narcan or I need a, a new clean needle and I go in there and if I perceive you're judging me or you're asking for my ID or if I yeah. feel like, you, you know, you shaming that, you, shaming me, shitting on me, yeah, that you don't have any respect for me, my likelihood of reaching out to other clean people for help is what? Pretty fucking low. Yeah. But if you treat me with respect and you're like, and I can just imagine you in your job. Thank you for your service for our community. But I, I just, I see them, someone coming in and they see your happy, smiling face and you're like, hey, hon, how are you? Yeah. Would you like some clean water? Yeah. Can I get you, is there any feminine hygiene products you need or? It's hot outside. Do you want some, a cold bottle of water to drink? You want some snacks? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And your, your, your nose is sniffling. Let me get you some Kleenexes. You're a sex worker. Let me get you some condoms and some lube so you can be safe. Yeah. That's what we do. Oh, wait. It's hot outside and the sun is insane. We've got some sunscreen for you, too. Harm reduction is so much more than needles and Narcan. It's putting on your seatbelt. And my husband laughs at me when I'm like, this is all public health. This is all harm reduction. (laughs) But it is when you're putting on your seatbelt, you are putting yourself in a safe position where you're at less harm. When you put sunscreen on outside, you are saving your skin from potentially later on getting a killer sunburn, which I will always get. So I'm a sunscreen girl. Also developing in a skin cancer. Yeah. I mean, all these things are all harm reduction, and it doesn't have to be just needles. Like, right. that's, that's what it is. It's just needles. And that's it's so much more than 
that's a small part of what we do. We refer to treatment. We refer to housing. We right. refer to um, not just like medical treatment. If somebody tests positive for Hep C, um, HIV, we can provide vaccines. We did a lot of COVID vaccines um, wow. for our participants. We have cool. done Hep A vaccines when we had the outbreak. Um, you know, we're helping them to try to be healthy and and to kind of give them some kind of accountability. Our program is a one-to-one, so they do have to return what we give them. Mm-hmm. And if they have more at home, that's fine. We have a lot of secondary exchangers. Sure. They're bringing in for all their friends. I don't care how you bring them in, how you get them. Bring them in. We'll exchange it. Yeah. So we'll do that, and that kind of gives our people some accountability. Mm-hmm. And we have people every single week or our regular people that are like, thank you so much for what you do. This program is amazing. Well, and I think if you show people, like, I, there's – I, I've always said this. I don't think you can shame anyone into recovery. Yeah. I've never yeah. met someone who is like, yeah, my whole family told me how terrible of a person I am and I'm a horrible father and an awful provider to my wife. So now I decided to come to therapy. People don't shame themselves into recovery. Yeah. Shame is a part of the experience, like not wanting to experience shame, but you have to have a little bit of ounce of respect. It's hard to have respect for yourself when you're not getting it from others. So yeah. you're literally, you're saving lives. Even if people aren't walking away, every person you encounter walking away completely sober from opiates, this problem is so much more invasive than just saying, all right, get over it and be abstinent. Right. And that, that actually, I keep saying, that's a great point, but that's a freaking great point because harm reduction, the big thing about public health is prevention. Yeah. Versus treatment. Mm. Boom! An ounce of prevention for ah! a pound of cure. That's one yes. of my favorite statements of all time. And so even if the people you're directly working with don't get sober, what if somebody else does as a result of them? Or what if they stay alive to be in their kids' lives? Yeah. Or what if they, and, and, and even if they never stay 100% sober from substances for the rest of their life, maybe they can be clean enough or sober enough that they can show up for people in their life to hopefully reduce their ACE scores too. Right. And then, so this is a long game. This is yeah. not a short game. I know. It's a, it's a never-ending cycle. And there's always more, like, there's, it's always changing. It's always, you can add more to it. But most of the time, these people are probably, like, we're probably the only, like, sober people they're talking to maybe all day long. That, and it, for us to just be able to give a shit about them. Sure. And genuinely yeah. say, hey, how's your family doing? How's your, grandma, how's your grandma doing? We had somebody that came in. His mom is in the hospital. And, you know, we care about those things and we remember those things. So they know that they're not just a number. Yeah. Like, hey, this person cares about me. Because nobody else may care about them. Yeah. In their life. Or at least they might care about them, but they're not able to show up and... Right. A way to make some, yeah. And even some people are like, how am I supposed to get clean whenever my whole family uses? Everybody around me uses. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's a hard battle. Relapse is a huge part of recovery. It's normal. But with harm reduction, what, what our biggest thing is, we want to reduce your harm. So if you are injecting 
eight times instead of 10, that's great. You're still reducing your harm. Right. If you're smoking or snorting instead of shooting, that's great. That's a way that you're reducing your harm. Right. So we, it's more so like small steps make big, big progress. And it, yeah. you're not going to do it if you do it all at once. You're going to say, fuck this and throw in the towel. Yeah. So if we can at least, I mean, we can at least show these people like, we have a peer support specialist in there. Yeah. He's been sober, I want to say like 42 months. He's like, hey man, I've been right where you are. I got my hep C treated. I went to prison for 36 months. I was away from my kids for this amount of time. And look at me now. I'm helping people like you. Y'all are doing the Lord's work. <laughs> I'm I seriously, swear. seriously. It's just, it's a forgotten freaking population community in our community. And nobody wants to mess with them. And they are people too. They just have so much weight on their shoulders and they don't know how or what to fucking do about it. No one wakes up one day and is like, oh my God. I'm going to use drugs for the rest of my life. Today feels like a good day to try out some fentanyl and maybe die. No one's doing that. No. And as long as it took for these people, their generational trauma, whether, you know, this goes back to how was Kentucky impacted by the Great Depression? How was Kentucky impacted by, you know, the the crack cocaine epidemic? Coal miners. Oh, my God. We can't even. We don't have the time. No. Not today. Yeah. Soon. We have to soon. It's. Talk a again. huge part about it, though. Yeah, like this is you know, oh, you don't have a you don't have a driver's license, and the closest Walmart's forty minutes away, and da 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 da. Like it's all of these things that have built up over time, yes. and our our childhood sexual abuse. Like no one became, yeah, an opiate addict overnight, and so we're not going to cure them overnight. Yeah, we're not going to cure the problem overnight. But yes. if you don't care, as we close out, can you tell folks how they can get a hold of you if yes. they are interested in learning more about your program? Yes, of course. So um, my name is Alexis Morgan. My email address is alexis.morgan at uky.edu. My work phone number is 270-781-8039. My extension is 138. Um, we can also be found on Facebook. Um, Target 4 is my program. Um, we work through UK. We're contracted through the health department here. Um, you can reach out to the health department page, find us, come to the health department if you need Narcan. It's better out there than in my office. <sighs> I'm going to put that, like, that feels like so epic. Like, that needs to be on a bumper sticker. It's not doing anything in my office. Well, you're a beautiful soul. I greatly appreciate everything y'all are doing at the health department to not only help this very vulnerable population, but also to be helping all of us through harm reduction. And yeah, thanks so much for your education, man. If we can just educate people why it's important, then maybe we can do something about this whole freaking epidemic in the first place. Yeah. Or try and then reduce those A scores. If we reduce the A scores, people's pain levels would go down, and then we don't need it, dude. You're gonna solve the world's problems, and you you too. (laughs) You're the therapist here, dude. Dude, no, I appreciate you so much, and um, you're gonna have to come back. Thanks again. Thanks. Bye, everybody. Bye.